Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 232 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The holiday season is upon us. It's Thanksgiving week. That means a full slate of NFL games on Thursday, a game on Black Friday, but not just NFL. We also have NBA season and NHL season are hitting their stride basically in midseason form. We've got college football, big time games there, and you can find everything you need at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. So head to Bet Online today and remember to use promo code BELIEVE and get a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. That's B L E A V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts with that said. Episode 232 for the love of the game. Let's get this. Good work. evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. I'd like to welcome All to the right. stage All the lyrically right. acclaimed. Woo. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase. He went from ashy to classic. All right. I like that. All right. So everybody in the house, give a warm round of applause for the notorious B.I.T. The notorious B.I.T., ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for him, y'all. Oh. Never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leads. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh-huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. Flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt and alligators. Uh-huh. You want to see the ins? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 232 for the love of the game on the Bleed Podcast Network with yours truly. It's ATH, Aaron Tobin. Hess, we're back in the saddle. We are back behind the mic. And normally during the NFL season, I start off recapping the New York football teams, what they did this weekend, recapping thoughts around the league. If you've gotten to listen to my show, that's generally the general cadence of how this goes. We're going to table that for a recurring guest. So I'm not going to go around the league with the NFL, but just a quick things on the state of New York football. And it's not very good. I mean, the Giants won a game. 31-19 against the Commanders. I think it says more about the Commanders than it does the Giants. Tommy DeVito outdueled the Commanders. Actually played pretty well. Had like 150 passer rating. Hit Saquon Barkley on a couple of touchdowns. Hit Darius Slayton. Tommy DeVito in 73 pass attempts. Has five touchdown passes. Zach Wilson in 306 pass attempts. Has... Five touchdown passes. I mean, Tommy DeVito had his moment. Now, is this good for the Giants' long-term future in terms of being able to draft their next franchise quarterback? No, it's not great. It's not great for the tank. However, however, we're going to talk about this with a recurring guest in just a matter of moments. You cannot expect a team full of professionals to go out and lose or at least try to lose every single week for over two months. It's just not possible. Guys of pride guys are playing for contracts. You're going to win a game here or there. It's just going to happen. So does this take the giants out of the Caleb Williams, Drake may sweepstakes? Not necessarily. We'll see what happens the rest of the year, but not necessarily. They cannot win against the New England Patriots next week. That's for certain. That is an absolute must lose. But if this was just the token win that the New York Giants got and they finished 3-14, and it's not the worst thing. If that's the case, they will probably be in position to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. That's just my sense because... You look around the league, Arizona with Kyler Murray is going to be better. I think the Bears have some fight. They're going to be better. And if the Bears end up with the number one or number two pick, both of them, considering they have Carolina trading up to get Bryce Young, that looks like it's a mess right now. But the Bears aren't taking both Caleb Williams and Drake May. So the Giants are still in the mix. So Giant fans who are up in arms about the Giants winning a game, It will be okay, but we cannot beat the New England Patriots next week. As for the Jets, 
They got absolutely shellacked against the Buffalo Bills. 32 to 6. Zach Wilson has been benched in favor of Tim Boyle. Zach Wilson will not be starting the game on Black Friday against the Dolphins. Tim Boyle will be starting. As for the Jets long term, I don't want to hear about the Aaron Rodgers comeback stuff. There was a rumor that maybe he'd start practicing in December. Put that to rest. Their season's over. I said it last week, but you still heard Jet fans holding on to hope. Well, that hope is no longer. Put the Jets to bed. This season is over. The New York Knicks. The Knicks are now 8-5. and five. It was nice seeing them win back-to-back games on consecutive nights. The Knicks historically never win in the second night of a back-to-back. And I know it's the Washington Wizards who stink. I know it's the Charlotte Hornets who stink. But it's nice to get wins on consecutive nights and winning the second night of a back-to-back because the Knicks never do it. So way to take care of business, New York Knicks. Jalen Brunson seems to have found his shooting inside the arc. He was actually just named player of the week in the Eastern Conference this week. Just having a monster week, 28 and a half points a game, six and a half assists a game, shooting a blistering 54% from three. Unbelievable. He's had a really nice stretch. Julius Randle has played better. The ball seems to be moving a little bit more. There seems to be more passes. Even Julius Randle's getting into the act of passing. Dante DiVincenzo had a monster game, 25 points against the Hornets, filling in for Quinton Grimes, who hurt his hand. I got to give major props to Mitchell Robinson, who's leading the league in offensive rebounds, averaging like 10 offensive rebounds a game. He's been a beast. He's been an all-defense caliber player, and there's a lot of competition in that respect so far this NBA season, especially for the bigs. Bam Adebayo, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Rudy Gobert, who's probably the front runner right now after everybody, including myself, has poured dirt on Rudy Gobert. Got to give Rudy Gobert his props. But Mitchell Robinson's in that conversation. And I've never been a huge Mitchell Robinson fan. I said he's replaceable. I still think he's somewhat replaceable because I don't think the Knicks lose a whole lot when Isaiah Hartenstein plays. But Mitch has been great. So kudos to Mitchell Robinson. Kudos to the Knicks right now. They have a tough one tonight on the road. Last road game of this road trip against the surging Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to get to them in a second and Anthony Edwards. But the Knicks are a good team. They are a good team. I'm not sure they are a great team. I'm not sure they have the capability as currently constructed to be a great team. But the Knicks are a good team. In fact, they may be a very good team. So kudos to the Knicks. They're playing well. Take care of business against teams that you're supposed to beat. Around the NBA, just a couple of thoughts. The Dallas Mavericks started out hot. They're now 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They cannot guard a nosebleed. Outside of Luka and Kyrie Irving, who scares you on the offensive end for them? I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. shot the lights out from three, but we're not really scared of him. As much as I like Josh Green, I like what I've seen from Derek Lively, the rookie. They're not frightening. Grant Williams, eh. The regression for the Dallas Mavericks is coming, all right? When they were 9-2, and you should have sold your stock right there and shorted. It's a terrible defensive team. It does not have a whole lot of playmakers, guys who can make plays for others. And, you know, Kyrie Irving is a nutcase who's waiting to tank a season. Short the Dallas Mavericks. It's You're already starting to see it. When they play against good teams who can score, they can't get a single stop. As for the other teams at the top of the West, Denver is at right now third in the West, but I will say Denver is still the best team in the West. The next Three teams at the top of the West, the top four, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and the Sacramento Kings. And I'm not sure this is flukes, by the way. Not sure this is a fluke. Any of these teams. Let's start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns still makes me nervous. I'm still not 100% sure what I'm getting from him, but 
Right now, he and Gobert have been excellent together. Cat's shooting the lights out. Gobert has been great defensively. Carl Anthony Towns is quieting a lot of doubters. Yeah, the contract still stinks. Yeah, he's not a number one on a really good team. But guess what? He doesn't have to be because Anthony Edwards right now is one of the seven or eight best players in the NBA. He's might be the best shooting guard in the NBA right now, already. This is year three, I think. He's just incredible. He's absolutely breathtaking to watch, and he does not give a shit. He doesn't. A couple of nights ago, he went at Draymond Green. Draymond was barking at him, woofing at him after a foul, and Ann Edwards did not back down and proceeded to absolutely torch the Golden State Warriors that night. I love watching Anthony Edwards play. This Minnesota thing is is for real, and Anthony Edwards is for real. As for another one of those teams, Oklahoma City, a team that I said is going to be a top-five seed in the West this year. Well, if Ant Edwards isn't the best shooting guard in the league right now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the other guy who has a claim to that throne. And Devin Booker, too, by the way. But the Suns haven't started out as hot as those other teams. But SGA is insane right now. Insane. His mid-range pull-up game is nuts. And like Anthony Edwards, when he wants to clamp down defensively, both those guys can clamp down defensively. The master class that he put on against the Golden State Warriors Saturday night was outrageous. A 40-piece good defense on Steph Curry down the stretch. SGA was first-team All-NBA last year, and we're seeing that he may be first-team All-NBA this year, along with Anthony Edwards. Wild. Those guys are are outrageously good. As for the rest of the roster on Oklahoma City, I mean, I love this roster. Chet Holmgren is also, is, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's on pace right now as a seven-foot guy to shoot 50-40-90. His offensive skill set right now in terms of offensive polish, is better than Victor Wembanyama's. I'm not saying he's as good of a player as Victor is right now, but Chet Holmgren is absolutely no slouch. Those guys are are just outrageously good as rookies. I know Chet Holmgren, it's technically year two for him. He missed all of last year, but Chet Holmgren has been bonkers. I love guys like Jalen Williams. I still love Lou Dort, Kaysan Wallace. The rookie, we'll get to him in a second, but he's been good for them off the bench. It looks like they found another guy. Isaiah Joe makes threes. Oklahoma City is absolutely frightening. And then there's the Sacramento Kings, who were the number three seed in the West last year. And they're not slowing down because De'Aaron Fox might be one of the 15 best players in the NBA. He was named Western Conference Player of the Week this week. He's just been outrageously good, outrageously good. 32 and a half points a game, almost five rebounds a game, over six assists a game. Money, he's absolutely money. One of the fastest guys in the league, plays incredibly well with DeMontis Sabonis, who is probably the third best center in the NBA, averaging 2012, seven assists. The Kings are for real. And Keegan Murray, who... A lot of guys, including myself, were very high on coming into his second year in the league. Hasn't mattered yet, at least. And you would assume that he's going to turn it around. Malik Monk is a six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's been dynamite. Kevin Herter's solid. The Kings are just solid. And a major topic of conversation, when the trade happened, and even now, was the Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis trade. So I want to revisit what I said back then. When everybody was saying that the Kings got fleeced. How do you trade a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who's that good, who's that young? And yes, Tyrese Halliburton is awesome. He's awesome. The Pacers are really good this year. And he's been incredible. I think he's leading the league in assists. He's like at a 24 and 12. He's been great. But you know who else has been great for the Sacramento Kings? DeMontis Sabonis. And not just that. The Kings last year broke their 
playoffless drought where they hadn't made the playoffs before last year since 2006. So when everybody was telling me that it was a trade rape by the Indiana Pacers, I said not so fast. And guess who was right? Yours truly. Because not only is DeMontis Sabonis the third or fourth best center in the league, all NBA player last year, but it unlocked De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron Fox is just as good, if not better, than Tyrese Halliburton. And that's not a knock against Tyrese Halliburton because he's been incredible. But De'Aaron Fox is just as good, if not better. So, yeah, the Sacramento Kings were really good last year, taking a step forward this year, light the beam. Those teams are so much fun. I try and watch all the Sacramento Kings games I can get, along with Oklahoma City and Minnesota, for that matter, because Anthony Edwards is so much fun to watch. So we mentioned a couple of the rookies. Kaysan Wallace for Oklahoma City, Chet Holmgren. This rookie class has been outrageous, outrageously good. Wemby and Chet are at the top of the class, but guys like Brandon Miller, Asur Thompson, Kaysan Wallace, who we mentioned, Anthony Black, Bilal Koulibaly, Derek Lively, who we mentioned, Keontae George for the Jazz, Brandon Padinsky, Jaime Jaquez for the Heat, who you knew was going to be solid for the Heat, Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins. All these guys are making impacts for their teams and are playing well. This is an incredibly deep, deep rookie class. And we haven't seen the best of Scoot Henderson. I still think he's going to be very good. He's gotten hurt. The other Thompson twin for the Rockets has gotten hurt, and the Rockets are playing well. An incredibly impressive rookie class. Really, really, really good. And all those guys compete defensively. I mean, Brandon Miller for the Hornets has basically been already thrust into guarding the best perimeter defender on the opposing team each night, whether that's small forwards like Paul George, whether that's Jalen Brunson types. I mean, he's been a revelation defensively for the Hornets. You can tell that guy's a real, real player. So yeah, an incredibly impressive rookie class. One last thing before we go, I mentioned them at the end of the monologue last week. I'm going to do it again this week. And yes, I'm calling on my buddy, Johnny Lazarus, big time Johnny Lazarus. We got to talk Rangers. This is another call to you. Hopefully we can do that soon. But yeah, the Rangers, all they do is win. Four game winning streak. They're 12 and two with one overtime loss. They are a plus 18 goal differential. This team has the ability to be special, has an opportunity to be special. The Knicks are good. The Rangers can be special and actually win a title for New York City. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest, somebody who I haven't had on in a while. We're going to talk about the NFL at large. We're going to talk a little bit about the Giants and what this win means for them and their potential draft stock. And we'll get to him in just a matter of moments. So I haven't spoken to this guy on the podcast in a while. Our New York Giants were one of our predictions that did not go well. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I want to talk about the league at large because I think this is a really weird season. Got none other than recurring guest Shy Elberger. He's back. Shy, what's good, bud? How you doing? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Giants getting right back into the playoff race after yesterday's win. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the league, I'm sure. So we normally do this at the midway point of the year. And considering Thanksgiving is this week, uh, we were recording on a Monday evening before the big Monday night game tonight. We had to get it in before the recording because we both want to watch the, the Monday night football game. This is a very strange season in a sense where it seems like all the good teams are incredibly, incredibly flawed, where I'm not really sure the good teams are really good. Like, the NFC has two really good teams, maybe three, if you want to count like Detroit or Dallas, but it's San Francisco, who I think is the best team in the NFC when they're right, and Philadelphia, who just hasn't looked as good as they did last year. And in the AFC, besides for the Chiefs, so we think of the Chiefs as this high-powered offense, but it has not been that way, but their defense is fantastic. Like, who else is really good in the AFC? Like, Shai, is this the weirdest season you can remember? It, for all the types of questions where it's like, 
is this the whatever of recent memory? It's always so hard to remember other seasons. Like where there's no, so much that goes on. This is this is weirder in a sense where it's just like there's no grouping of teams that week in and week out is like puts together really impressive tape without having a whole bunch of clunkers on there. So yeah, so no team is like just rolling through the regular season and it's gonna go 15 to 2. But I just feel like like San Francisco, they had that three-game losing streak, which was out of character. One was like a bad weather game at Cleveland. Then they lost to Minnesota, surprisingly. Then I forget who the third one was. But like the other seven games. Bengals. They, they lost to the Bengals. The Bengals, okay. So it's like the other seven games, they've been dominant. They were just dominant this past week against Tampa. And like I just think because football games are once a week and – so few games, like we have to react to every game. So this is just like fast forward a month from now or six weeks from now, seven weeks, even whatever the Niners are finishing up and they're like 13 and four. And the fact that they had a three and losing streak in, in, you know, October into November is like just a blip on the radar. Um, but yeah, also like, so Philly, San Francisco, I agree. And then I would include Detroit and Dallas as like, solid teams that could each definitely win one or two playoff games. Um, and then in the AFC, yeah, the Chiefs are just like, it's Mahomes. Their defense is really good. Kelsey, it's like, he looks like he's he's slowing down, but then like he'll randomly, like tonight maybe, he'll go like seven for 120 and two touchdowns. Um, Baltimore is really good. They, you know, they have like every, I feel like every year Baltimore, with Harbaugh has like two or three like really weird games where they just like blow a lead with six minutes left or they lose to a team. It's more than two or three. But that's like all of their losses. And then they end up as, you know, 11 and six and they're like right there. Now the last, I feel like last season and a couple seasons, Lamar got hurt at the end of the season. So, you know, if that happens again, obviously it all changes, but I think Baltimore, Kansas city, I still like, I'm pretty pro Buffalo. I know they've been so inconsistent and uh, people like I just feel like love to hate on Buffalo they've lost some bad games I just feel like you know especially now with the Bengals maybe we'll talk about the Bengals but like yeah I'm, I'm off the Bengals obviously without Burrow yeah, I think it's Buffalo Bengals but it's funny Buffalo. because the Bengals were one of those teams before Burrow got hurt that you were like okay I know what the record is but this team is ascending and is going to be taken seriously. Maybe, you know, I thought they were going to win that division if he stays healthy. Right. I, mean, we I just thought they were going to go really far. I thought they were going to win the AFC if he stays healthy. We just, we, I, Barrow is a slow start because of the injury, but then we just referenced them beating San Francisco. It seemed like, you know, they, I think they just had a bye week also, like they were going to just come out and, and right and just kind of move up those rankings. So that, that really sucks that what happened to them. But I don't, I, just the weirdest season. It's like, I don't know. There's some weird storylines, but every year I feel like we have these crazy storylines that are like so unbelievable. Last year with the Giants, you know, that was one. The Vikings going 11 and one in one score games. Geno Smith, like, I'm just I'm thinking these off the top of my head. Like, um, you know, that, that might be it, honestly. But either way, I think like every season you kind of have these different, different things. And that's what makes, that's what's so fun to try to predict what's going to happen because a million things happen we don't see coming. I was high on the Lions. We'll get to our predictions that we're proud of and we're not proud of. I was high on the Lions. Um, but even then, like, I trust the Lions, but I'm not sure I really trust the Lions because their defense is so bad. I mean, I trust them more than Dallas because they'll potentially have a home game, a home playoff game, as opposed to Dallas going to have to go on the road. But, like, do you really trust the Lions? I think you don't want to admit that you don't trust the Lions because of your your boy, Jared Goff, who looked pretty bad a couple weeks ago. Wasn't looking too good yesterday. He got hot. Dallas' defense is better than the, Goff. Dallas' defense is better than Detroit's defense. Yeah, but they employed Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. Yeah, so, okay. Okay, so that's a great another great example. Dak's having a great year. He's, he's had a few, like, four or five, like, really good games in a row. And no mention. God, but it's, it's meaningless because it's meaningless because, first of all, who have they beaten? 
Their most impressive game, arguably, was a, a loss against the Eagles. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm out on Dallas as long as Dak Prescott's their quarterback and Mike McCarthy is their coach. But okay, so it's just a weird year where there's really about three teams you trust and one in the AFC. And we'll we'll get to your Miami Dolphins because uh, I want to ask you about them. But let's talk about our predictions because we do this before every season. We throw a couple of things out there. We put it on wax. Some of them hit, some of them don't. What's one of them that you're very proud of and one of them that you're not? Okay. So you may have to go first, but also I was definitely hoping you had some recollection of what my predictions were. Yeah. I I definitely don't remember. I remember you were very high on the Minnesota Vikings, which at one point was looking not great. And now stand by, I stand by that. Oh, I think one was we'll get to Josh Dobbs in a second. I think you're also high on the Packers. No, definitely not, because I did not like love. But maybe Houston. I feel like Houston. I remember touting D'Amico Ryans. We both liked Houston. Yeah. We're gonna take credit for that one. All right, I'll I'm take gonna take one. credit for my Lions and Jaguars. Oh, I have another good one. Yeah. I, right. I was I was on the Lions. You know, I I thought that. That division was going to be really weird, and and it is, but I thought it was going to be worse than it is because I just think Minnesota's been better, which is crazy. Their defense Um, has been better than it was, which we always – I feel like when a team defense is so bad, they fire their D.C. Usually if they they hire the next one, there's always like that one-year bump. Plus, we know Flores is a good defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's he's been impressive for them. But, yeah, no, I'm going to take credit for my Lions and – Jacksonville, I said that they were going to win the division. It's not looking as rosy as it was uh, probably like a month ago. But then again, Lawrence seemed to have been a little bit banged up. This was a major get-right game this past weekend. I still am high on the Jaguars. Um, And, yeah, we'll take credit for the Titans. But what I'm not proud of, obviously, outside the Giants is I thought the Bears were going to go 9-8. and or something like that, and needless to say, the Bears are not going on any. That that was pretty ugly. I think every year I take Pittsburgh, so I'm assuming I did this year. Yeah, they are six and four, so I'll take the credit. But this seems like a situation where the advanced stats say they should not be six and four. Well, they've been and, outgained yardage wise every single week of the regular yeah. season, which is nuts. The thing is, though, like. We always say, even for even when we're talking about the better teams, like if you have a if you have a really good defense, you can win in the playoffs. The Steelers have a really good defense, so like if their first round game, let's say they were like the six or whatever, they played, you know, at Miami or Miami had to go to Pittsburgh, like they could. I feel like they could they could slow them down a little bit. Now their offense is really bad, so let's say they played Cleveland, like. That would be a 13-10 game. They could win that game. Anyway, I'll take it because it's four, but not impressive. Um, I think I uh, – what was another one? I probably was high at Miami because I like McDaniels. I think I had Seattle to win the NFC West. That seems unlikely now, but like a couple of weeks ago, they were they were close. I also want to give us some credit because we both thought the Rams were going to be better than everybody projected because we just had respect for Sean McVay and Stafford has played um, enough where they've, yeah. you know, they've been and cops been out for a, for a lot of it. Um, oh, um, I was definitely um, questioning if Purdy would be able to replicate year one. I remember saying like, now nah, there's an off season of tape on him. And to be honest, like the first few weeks, he was great. Then he had the three-game losing streak where he was throwing picks. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's regressing to the mean. This was always going to happen. But then he's been great again the last two weeks. Yesterday, I had a perfect passer rating. Um, and so, like, I still – I mean, everyone – we all acknowledge, like, San Francisco is a great situation. Coaching, scheme, playmakers, you know, it's, it's ideal in every way. But, you like, you know – this is he's only played you know less than 20 games so far like he is a seventh round young quarterback who continues to win and put up numbers and like 
you know, it's at some point I will have to just admit, like, maybe he's he's pretty good. Is he a superstar? Maybe not. But is he like Alex Smith? Like, why can't he be Alex Smith? And with San Francisco, that could be really good. And considering the state of the quarterback position in the NFL right now, which is at an all-time low, like, if you were just picking guys straight, right, just, like, starting a franchise straight, like, how many guys are you taking before Brock Purdy? I'm not sure there's 10. Take, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like, off the top uh, of my head, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, assuming everybody's healthy. Lamar, right. Hurts, Tua, Goff. You're not going to say Herbert. No, Herbert Lawrence. And uh, DeVito. So what is that, 10? Yeah, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy D. Okay, so that's nine guys. But Purdy's right there. Like, I, yeah. like Purdy's better than Dak. Oh, Dak. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Or Gino. I think Purdy's better than Gino. Rodgers and Stafford, the old people. I, was, I wasn't counting those guys, but fine. Right. Yeah, no, I mean. He's in the top half of the league. That's right. All right. Alex, like if he's Alex Smith, who was never top five, but always like eight, nine, 10, 11, very efficient, not a lot of turnovers, very good win loss record. You know, that they can, they can, they'll do damage if their team is uh question is like when he's, is he's due for a contract, which is still probably two years away. Like what is he getting at that point? But we'll see. That's another two years of, of seeing what his deal is. You kick the can down the road and you, uh, you figure it out for them if you're the Niners. One guy who we poured dirt on, who before the season we were actually – we didn't know what to make of this team. Uh, talking about quarterback Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Started out pretty ugly. We thought the Broncos may get the new coach bump uh, from Sean Payton. They give up 70 points to the Dolphins, and it looks like they're going to go completely in the tank. But right now they're – after, you know, winning a, a very exciting Sunday night football game against the Minnesota Vikings, they're five and five, I think, or six and five. No, they had their bye, so they're five and five. And they're in the thick of it. And Russell Wilson, who everybody clowned on, has played pretty well, and he engineered a nice drive for them at the end of the game. What, what, what's your take on the Broncos? I was really... I could not believe how poorly last year went. And like everyone, it was like, okay, so the last couple of years in Seattle, he was declining and then he's just done. And he's on, you know, last year, it was just so bad. We also all acknowledge that the coach Nathaniel Hackett was horrendous. League worst got fired before the end of the season. And like, maybe we all just didn't really account for how bad of a situation that was. And then the change from going from that to Sean Payton, who I do think there's an argument either way if he's actually like a really good coach, because with Breeze, you know, they only won one Super Bowl, only got to one Super Bowl, right? Beat the Colts. Um, they didn't get to any others. And um, but still, he's a great offensive mind system like that change for Wilson. But then again, we get impatient with, with games being once a week, and so they start slow, which we see a lot with new coaches and new offensive systems. They obviously had that 70-20 to 20 loss to Miami, so everyone remembers that. But the last four weeks now, it's two against Kansas City, Buffalo, and a hot Minnesota team. They're 3-1 and one in those. The defense has been really good. For Wilson, he's not like – playing at some Pro Bowl level, but he's making plays behind the pocket and just throwing accurately. I think his percentage is high. And, like, even these games also, like, they're not winning 34, you know, 27. They're all pretty low scoring in the 20s or the teens. And he's doing just enough. So with the AFC also, as it is, like, Chargers are not so good. Raiders aren't so good. Burrow's hurt. Like, Jets uh, are not going to make it. There's there's a path for Denver to definitely be in the playoff race, which they are now, and then try to sneak out a spot. Who do you think gets the um the last playoff spot in the AFC? Because if we think that if everything holds the way it is right now, where your division winners are Jacksonville, the Dolphins, um the the Ravens and the Chiefs. So I'll say Buffalo is five 
And I'll say one of Cleveland or Pittsburgh is six. And then we have one of Cleveland and Pittsburgh and the Chargers and the Broncos. So and Houston. I mean, Houston. And Houston, right. So I probably have to like look at remaining schedules, honestly. Right. Um just not Both knowing. Those remaining that, schedules like, very difficult, by the way. Have you seen what the remaining schedule is? For who? Buffalo. They um, still have the Eagles. I think they still have Dallas. Not a lot of gimmies for Buffalo. Yeah, Houston plays the Titans. The last, uh, yeah, see, Houston's pretty favorable. They have. Houston-Denver will be a huge game in Week 13, but then they finish with Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. So that's pretty favorable for Houston. Um, Denver plays Detroit, New England, Chargers, Raiders, also pretty easy. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be tough. Hopefully it's not injuries that dictate, like, God forbid, like a Stroud gets hurt or yeah. something to that effect. But back to Denver, I mean, listen, we all clowned on Russell Wilson also because he was acting like a diva, right? He was acting all strange, you know, uh, Broncos country, let's ride, like all this weird corny shit that he was pulling. And the play was abysmal, but it's not like he was that older. Just like, is he like just absolute trash now? So, I mean, it's, it's nice to see that with Sean Payton, they're back in the mix, especially after getting beat by 50 points not that long ago. I mean, kudos to them for getting back in. I mean, they won a couple of tough games. Like when, you know, you're, you're, they were heavy underdogs in all of those games. Yeah. So kudos to them. Another crazy story. The Josh Dobbs thing. Starts out with the Arizona Cardinals. Barely makes the roster. Gets the starting job. They were way more competitive than their record showed. Then he gets traded at the deadline. Any team could have had him. Minnesota picks him up after the Cousins injury. He's playing well for them. Minnesota's in the mix to win a playoff spot. I have, I know I asked this about, you know, the NFL season at large, but I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in the NFL. I mean, the, the only thing I could compare it to in terms of sports was like Lynn Sanity, where Jeremy Lynn had his run for like two weeks where he just went crazy, you know, winning improbable games for the Knicks which was a wonderful time to be alive. And this Dobbs thing is, is kind of crazy like that too. I uh, don't, uh, don't say Linsanity's name in vain. That was a time us New York fans will always remember that that three week period in 2011. Um, There's just so much more also to Dobbs than even you said, like he was drafted like, I feel like before uh, the Cardinals, like no one really knows what his deal is. He was drafted six years ago. Since he was drafted, he played on Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, Tennessee, and then Cleveland again this offseason. Spot started for Tennessee in a playoff game. You're right. He, he's had those the, the random spot starts. Gets traded from Cleveland to Arizona right before week one where basically Arizona cuts Colt McCoy, who was their starter all training camp and preseason. They trade like a seven for Dobbs and name him the starter to start the season a week later. And everyone's like, okay, this is like the clearest sign of a tank job ever for Arizona. But then they, he's, he's not horrible. Like they lose a close week one. They lose the Giants week two in that game. Everyone remembers where they were up 20, nothing at the half. Then they beat Dallas week three or four, I forget which week that was. And they're like pretty respectable. And it's like, oh, at that point, it was a crazy story like Dobbs. But then I feel like the sample size got a little bigger. He started to play worse. Arizona starts to lose and Kyler's coming back. And so they make the decision to just to to bench Dobbs and, and that's it for him. And we're like, all right, like that makes sense. And then the Cousins injury, we're all wondering what's going to happen with Minnesota. They're going to trade for a QB. Trade for Brissett, trade sign Wentz. And Minnesota started out super slow. They couldn't win yeah, the game. And you're just slow. like, they go in the tank. But uh, Jefferson's injured. But it's like, they're all, NFC is not strong, as we said. Like, what were they, like three and four or something? It's like, they don't. They shouldn't be throwing the towel. Dobbs has already been benched by Arizona. So that just made a lot of sense. Trade with some low-round pick. 
And yeah, I mean, he came into to Minnesota as the backup, but then the guy they were starting, of course, gets injured. Dobbs comes in, doesn't know anyone's name, doesn't know the plays, leaves up to victory. It is a crazy, crazy thing. And like, well, there's still seven games left. So there's a lot more that could happen. Like he could flame out. That wouldn't shock me. He could lead up to the playoffs and win a playoff game. That would be crazy. Somewhere in between where he's just like average and the Vikings go, you know, eight and nine. Um, it is just, it is a great story. He's, he's a, we don't see a journeyman. Like I was going to look up actually. I feel like Geno Smith played on a bunch of teams between like the Giants and the Seahawks, but no, you know, I'm totally wrong. Just that was the, he, I mean, Jets, it was the Giants and Jets, stuff. Giants, Giants, Chargers, Seahawks. Yeah, Chargers. so not a guy that has on like eight teams and then starts for like basically a whole season. It is very, very rare. Yeah, I mean, and he's playing super, but he's not just like throwing the ball, like he's running around. Right, he's playing well. Michael Vick some nights, and it's just, it's, it's a wild, wild viewing experience. Like, would would you ever want to bet against Josh Dobbs right now? Like, it's just he seems like you know just somebody you wouldn't want to bet against. And then the other thing is Cleveland having had traded him right before the season. Like, if he was their backup, they would probably still be in very heavy uh, playoff contention. And we mentioned, you know, the state of quarterbacking in the NFL, like. Have there been 15 better quarterbacks than Josh Dobbs this year? All right. So the 10 we just named, and then, um, well, DeVito is 11. Then we have, I mean, Sam Howell is like fourth in the NFL in passing yards, but obviously I don't think we can. If you lose to the Giants twice in a year, you can't be top 20. Yeah. I think there's a lot of empty calorie stats there. But I I don't think Sam Howell is bad either. This year, Dobbs has been. You know, 13, 14th best. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, another quarterback and team that we've taken, you know, have gone on swings of is uh Miami Dolphins and Tua. A weird game on Sunday. They're still leading the AFC East. The offense has come down to earth a little bit, but the defense is improving. Mike McDaniel is still a great soundbite, but not as fun of a soundbite when his team's losing. What do you make of your Miami Dolphins right now? So, I mean, you know, Mike McDaniel, everyone loves him. I, I love him. I feel like I was early on loving him. Yes. The offense, obviously, is, is really elite, like very hard to stop. The defense, I feel like, should be better than it is. But I know Ramsey just came back. He's already playing really well. They Two interceptions on Sunday. Yeah, then the game ender was really nice. And like they have pieces. Tua, I'm I'm sorry. I still when I watch him play, very accurate. But like that is all I think that's his only like above average quality. Yeah, I just feel like slow release, not so mobile, amazing receivers and amazing offensive system. And he's accurate, which is important. But I don't like I watch him, I don't like oh have confidence that he's gonna like bullet in some awesome pass to on third and, you know, 11, but I don't know. Anyway, the Dolphins wins are Chargers, Patriots, early season Broncos, Giants, Panthers, Patriots, Raiders. Not a lot of impressive wins. No, I would say no impressive wins where their losses are to the Bills by 28, to the Eagles by 14, to the Chiefs by seven. So the three good teams they've played, they have lost to them and two of them by double digits. So it's hard to say, like, we haven't seen them beat a good team. They play the next three weeks, our Jets, Commanders, <laughs> next four weeks, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets. So, I mean, what are they now? Seven and three. So that's 11 and three. Then they finish with Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo, like, that could be three losses. That's still 11 and six, likely wins the division. And then either really heading to a playoff game where we haven't see, seen them beat a winning team. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to, to know exactly what to make. They haven't proven that they can, that they can do it, but they've also beat all the teams that they should beat. Which team do you trust more in terms of a viable playoff contender? Not necessarily a Super Bowl contender, because I think 
from the AFC. It's really just the Chiefs, and that's basically it. But viable playoff contender, Jacksonville or Miami, who do you trust more and why? I trust Miami more because they have the best player, which is Tyreek Hill. I do think um, um, who's the the Jags coach I'm liking out from the Eagles. Peterson. Yeah, I feel like he's probably pretty good. Like I don't I don't think that's a big coaching discrepancy for McDaniel versus Peterson. Um, I don't know. I, that would be a tough one. That'd be uh, that'd be a cool Florida playoff game. I would agree with you, and I'm not, I'm not factoring in the you know the fact that I think. Jacksonville is going to win the division is going to host a, a playoff game. Like I'm just saying in a vacuum, I just think Miami's a bit better. And yeah, I think Tyree, Tyree kill is the difference. I think both defenses are, are good. I think Miami's upper end talent defensively is a little bit better. I think Jacksonville's probably a little bit deeper, but I would trust Miami because of Tyree kill and the, um, you know, and guys like Jalen Ramsey and, and the upper, upper end talent. I just think it's a little bit better than Jacksonville's. I do. I think Jacksonville's defense, and this is full uh, disclosure. I read this somewhere, but I but then I thought about it. Seems like they're better than they're like underrated because you don't really know too many players on their defense, but their defense is actually playing well. I'm still high on Jacksonville in terms of a, a division winner. I'm not sure Houston is going to catch them. I know they beat them head-to-head once, but I think Jacksonville is going to take care of business the next time they play them. All right, we'll let you go on this. Obviously, our beloved New York Giants won a football game on Sunday. 31-19 over the Commanders. It says more about the Commanders than it does the Giants. Um, obviously, a lot of fans are, are quite upset because it – has put a dent in the tank job that is the New York Giants trying to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. Your thoughts? I will say this. As much as I still think Jones potentially could be a good quarterback, I now have to seriously weigh two things. One is it'll now be just one out of five seasons where he was like pretty good. I guess you can count his rookie season, but even last season's pretty good. was like 15 touchdowns, but it was pretty good. Still, it's one out of five, let's say. Let's say one and a half out of five seasons. There's now two neck injuries that have cost him several games and, of course, a current torn ACL. So we're talking about a quarterback that has two neck injuries, a torn ACL, four out of five seasons were not good, and the Giants having an opportunity to draft the quarterback at the, top, at the top of the draft in a draft that has good quarterbacks. I think it's hard to, to pass on a quarterback in that situation. In terms of, I guess that wasn't the question, it was more like how do I feel about them winning I've always maintained, I know we've sent each other, you know, every week it's a percentage uh, chances of getting first pick. And like we were talking the other day and I was like, when Tyrod's healthy, he's going to play. Whether or not that's a mistake or not, I, I think he would. Now, if, if DeVito actually continues to have like decent games, maybe he keeps playing. But the bottom line was I never thought the Giants were losing out. And I have kind of always maintained that I thought they were going to win two or three more games and end up picking like fifth or sixth. I just didn't see them literally finishing worse than the Bears, Cardinals, Panthers, uh, Titans, you know, the Patriots. Like, I just thought it was too unlikely. Well, they so, need to lose to the Patriots next week. That yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to lose to the Patriots. I honestly, I don't, I don't, I could see them being the Patriots. Like, I could just see that happening. Um, so when I watch a game, I can't physically get angry or upset if the other teams uh, or if the Giants score, the Giants win a game. Like the Giants get an interception or force a fumble. I'm not throwing, you know, my phone on the ground. I just, I, it's, it's unnatural reaction. 
I just the the only difference is that when the other team scores and the Giants lose, I'm just not upset because I understand there is a benefit to them losing. I still like to see them dominating the Commanders. I like to hear the fans booing in Washington because the Giants and Tommy DeVito are whipping their ass. I like to see, you know, Slayton make a good play and Saquon have a nice touchdown catch and, you know, Thibodeau get sacks. And Okereke, who I thought was a really good free agent signing, he has 100 tackles, you know, like punching fumbles out, Dexter Lawrence dominating. Like, I want to see the players do well. Um, So I acknowledge, like, they're going to win games. There's the, the players aren't going to try to lose. The coaches aren't going to put the worst players out to try to lose. Like everyone wants to win. And however they end up, they end up. And we also just, we don't need to like, we all know that drafting is a crapshoot. Like picking first versus the, picking second, picking the third quarterback. It's not like it's, you know, 60% good versus 30% good versus 10. It's like 40, 35 35 like it doesn't it's just you have to pick the right one it's, it's if you pick first or third or fifth you will be able to get the guy you want and the only thing that matters is were you right or wrong in that evaluation so so, so here's what here's my my quick my quick high level overview right i don't think if they go three and 14 if this is their token win that they're out of the sweepstakes, or if they go four and 13 for that matter, given the other teams that are in the sweepstakes for the, you know, top three picks to try and get Williams or May. I also don't believe from what I've been reading that if they get the third, fourth, fifth overall pick, and they're out of the running for the top two guys that they're going to take a quarterback high in the first round. I think they'll probably wait on a guy trade back in late in the first round or second round. Cause I think there's, you know, depth at that position, whether it's like Bo Nix, Penix, somebody like that. I'm not sure that if they had to, you know, take Marvin Harrison Jr. And then take like Bo Nix early in the second round. I'm not sure that's worse than doing, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May and then building it out from there. Like that may actually be preferable. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it will be taking a quarterback at some point within the first two days. That I'm 100% certain on. I would probably think so. But here's a double, here's two things. One is Jones is going to be on the roster next year. They're not, they can't cut him. It, it's financially not feasible. So he's going to be on the team. Whether, you know, we are uh, the, the recovery from the 20 ACL will dictate a lot, but like, Let's say this is a normal nine-month thing. Let's say he's ready for week one. He could play. Either he's going to be the backup to a Tyrod-type veteran. I don't know if it's Tyrod specifically or some other guy. Or he's ready to start, and the backup will be the some old guy. If they draft a guy first or second round, like Jones is still going to be on the roster. So is Jones like – is he going to start the season while the rookie is just waiting behind him? Then you get in a situation where, like, any bad Jones game, it's put the rookie in. Well, is, is he the lame duck? Or is Jones a backup to this rookie, and now you have a backup who was drafted by the team. He's making $48 million next year, but he's backing you up because, uh, I don't know, because maybe he's not healthy or whatever. Well, the, the, the scenario was he is healthy. It's a really fascinating situation. I love Marvin Harrison Jr. I, we, oh, so that was the other thing. Neither of us really watch college football. We see plays, we see random highlights, you know, we read and we follow a lot of people on social media. I'm a Marvin Harrison Jr. to me is like the best receiver prospect I can remember just based on his, his, his hands, his footwork, his speed, obviously his DNA. It just seems like he's going to be amazing. Like Julio Jones, AJ Green type. That's, that's not a bad consolation prize if they pick fourth or fifth or third. No, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be too upset if they, if they ended up not getting QB high in the round. Also, like they draft third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you could trade up to two. Like it's not it's not the craziest thing. We we saw the well, Giants doing well, hold on. It depends who is gonna hold that pick, right? Right. I'm out right. So let's say the Bears got one and two. They may not take any quarterback in either of those spots. At worst, they're taking one QB, but not two quarterbacks. 
Um, well, they're taking one. Well, I don't know. Let's say Fields has a good rest of the season. Like, I don't know. Or, you know, is Arizona definitely taking a quarterback? Or are they committed to Kyler Murray? Um, who else? The, uh, the Panthers don't have their pick. Um, Patriots, yeah, they would take a quarterback. Um, the Titans, they would. But I'm just saying, like, it's possible you could trade up to, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know what the lineman situation is. In my opinion, it would Hold on, I want to stop you right there. Okay. That is, I was about to say this. That is the one position I do not want them drafting high in the first round anymore. I've had enough. Their success rate there is terrible, is terrible. And I know that I've heard briefly that it's a wide receiver lineman draft, obviously after Caleb Williams and Drake May. I don't want them taking a lineman. Use your cap space for linemen who you know can play. They can't draft tackles. They can't draft them. So stop doing it. I'd rather them take Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia, who's no. like, can be Gronk incarnate. I'd rather they take him at four than a tackle that they're just going to miss on the pick. I can't, can't do take, it anymore. We can't take a tight end at four after the predecessor took a running back at two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want guys who yeah. can okay. So the. I don't – so you make me agree with you, but also point out something obvious. The Giants' success rate drafting linemen has been awful for 10 years. I can't explain it because it's multiple GMs, multiple head coaches, and multiple offensive line coaches, and multiple offensive systems. And basically, since Eric Flowers was drafted in 2014, the only good lineman they have drafted is Andrew Thomas. So the other point of what I have to point out is they hit on Andrew Thomas, right? At number fourth pick, 2020, that was a tackle-heavy draft. It was him and Mekhi Becton and Wirfs and Wills. And I think only Becton is bad, but Thomas is arguably the best. So they hit on that one. And if you hit on another Andrew Thomas at right tackle, that's ideal. That was obviously what we were all hoping for for Evan Neal was two bookend tackles that so here's my vision for offensive line next year is i think evan neal has to move inside to guard and see if he can play there because he can't play tackle anymore he's he's already derailed two seasons let him try and guard i totally agree that in free agency the giants need to sign like a legitimate right tackle starter you know, if that's $14, $15 million a year, like someone like they did with Kareem McKenzie back in the first Super Bowl era, they signed him. They, Sean O'Hara was actually a, a no-name free agent signing, which was amazing. Like, remember actually totally random, but recently Googling that signing, and it was like five years, like $4 million or something like hilarious. The, the um, cap has changed since then. Yeah, but also he was an undrafted guy and they just identified him as someone who was pretty good. So, like, Shane signed Mark Lewinsky two years ago to, like, a three-year, $18 million contract. He has been bad. That was a bad signing. So, I will get nervous if we see a pattern of bad offensive line signings and draft picks. Uh, Josh Azudu has not been good. That was a draft pick. Marcus McKeithen has not been good. That was a draft pick. I don't think you can stop drafting and trying People always say that's the, the argument that I always see is uh, people are like, and the Giants have neglected O-line for the last 10 years. They haven't neglected it. They've drafted they more than done anything but neglect it. They just can't they do just it right. can't do it right. So I see offensive line next year is like an Andrew Thomas, Bredesen and Pugh, like play guard, John Michael Schmitz at center. Hopefully he's good. He, he had, he's been okay. And then Neil is a guard, and then you sign someone, and maybe you sign a B level guy also to compete and draft another guy in the third or fourth round. Like you have to keep adding to it. But I agree, a free agent signing has to be a legit starter. I don't want them using a top five pick on a tackle. No, I don't think they will. I don't think they'll do that. I don't think so. I think it's going to be quarterback or receiver. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to say was again, I probably haven't watched Drake. May or Caleb Williams play more than a half a game total. There are just things I'm seeing about Caleb Williams 
that make me nervous about his ability to succeed in a New York market. I'm just, it makes I me I understand. Nervous. I understand. He seems a, a little, seems a little soft around the edges. To be soft, it's, it's, you know, the, the fingernail painting and it's, um, yeah, like you can just see it, right, if it gets to him early, is it going to get to him? Um, I'm just not sure. Now, that could be like, you know, three, five years from now, it's like the worst take of all time. And again, I haven't watched. I'm just saying, you know, the other thing was he came into the year, as far as I know, I was like the Heisman favorite. And USC hasn't, their defense I know is very bad, but like he's not going to win the Heisman, right? Like definitely not even top three probably. So was it a flash? I don't know. Who knows? There's so much more time to the draft. But to answer the original question, I'm okay. They're gonna win. They're gonna win probably two more games, and they'll pick you know fifth or sixth, maybe seventh. It's okay. The more and more I I'm reading about it, I kind of want them to go. If I had my choice, it would go the Marvin Harrison Jr. route, and and then take like Bo Nix or Penix or. Trying to think of some of the other guys that are that are. Then it's like, are you just drafting a quarterback just because you have to draft one? If you don't, no, like you, you, guys. well, they have to draft one. They isn't have Bo Nix like twenty five years old? Was, am I wrong about that? No, he's he's definitely on the older side, but they have to draft one. They they yeah, can't go into next year with Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones as being the the only yeah. option. They have to draft one. Bo Nix will be twenty four by next season, so that's kind of old for a rookie. I don't care. They have to try whatever, whoever they think the guy is. You have to take a guy. You have to. A little panics. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, whatever it is. I just, you know, I I obviously would like Caleb Williams or Drake May. If it ended up being like Marvin Harrison Jr. or even like Brock Bowers, I know you're going to laugh, but that guy, if he's Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey, he's worth that spot. I, I understand. Yeah, but Gronk, Gronk was what a fifth round pick. Second, like, I think he went in the second. Second, round. yeah. Why did I say fifth? Aaron Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez went in the fourth round. They drafted him yeah. the same year. Right, right, right. But the point is, I, they need to draft a quarterback at some point higher up, um, because that's just the way Jones's contract works. It just makes sense, and I don't want them taking a tackle in the top five. That's that's my. my I don't think they'll take something. another tackle. I don't think they'll do that another tackle in the top five. Well, well here's the first. I just uh just a Google mock draft. The first one I click on from Sports Illustrated: Giants picking fifth, Caleb Williams. <laughs> fifth, Marvin Harrison going number one. Fifth, he's gonna slide yeah. to five. What side? Man, three to the Patriots. Two offensive tackles in the top five, and then Caleb Williams. Uh, and then Brock Bauer six. Crazier things have happened. Okay, well, last last question. Last question. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Your two cents on the Knicks right now? No, I'm not a I'm not a good one to ask because I have not watched the Knicks. I I feel like I don't get into basketball until football starts. Okay, your Super Bowl pick. San Francisco versus you want to say Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. I've got San Francisco, Kansas City. I got San Francisco winning. Got San Francisco winning. Brock Purdy, MVP of the Super Bowl. My guy, Brock. Do you think he holds out for a new contract if that happens? He's making like 500K. He should. I don't know what the rules are, but like he should. I wouldn't you? I would, yeah. Or yeah, I probably would. But then that that that's probably a lot of financial maneuvering. San Fran would have to do. I'm sure they'll figure it out. They're smart over there. They know what they're doing. Shy, this was great. Thanks so much for doing it. Obviously, we'll talk offline. Uh, let's go, Giants. Kind of. Oh, and no, just. Just yeah. remember, it's it's midseason and the Giants still control their own destiny. It's 
midseason and the Giants still control their own destiny. Oh, do you like a um some some picks for Thanksgiving? I know we do I uh our picks against uh, the spread. I took a major L this week, one and four. You were four and one. The, the, the spreads are so high, but it's it's hard to see any of the big dogs losing. I mean uh winning. So um, just what are the, the lines? Do the three te- do the four team tees, all the favorites on the first four, the I, first two I, days. I did. I did all four favorites as a money line parlay. It's like plus 140. It's a nice payout. I I, I endorse sure it. I endorse it. I endorse it. Anyway, Shai, this was great. Thanks so much for doing it. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll speak soon, bud. All right. See ya. Later. Thanks again to recurring guest, Mr. Shai Elberger, for coming back on to talk all things NFL, talk a little bit about the Giants, what this win means to the long-term health of the franchise, going around the league, what we were right about to start the year, what we were wrong about to start the year. Always good stuff from him. That's episode 232. Oh, by the way, at the time of this recording on the outro, the Knicks lost a tough one on the road and the Rangers lost a tough one on the road. Still not worried about it. It was kind of due, but it is what it is. That's episode 232 for the love of the game. Take us out. Big Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.